check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. On this episode, we're going to look back at the disappointing loss to UConn, the win against Xavier, and we'll look ahead to the Butler matchup on Friday. Guys, big weekend, Super Bowl week, Olympics still going on. It was a disappointing game if you were a Bengals fan, exciting if you were a Rams fan. A good game overall, though. Uh, you know, every time it comes down to the end of the game drive, it, it's an exciting game and, you know, a little boring at some points, a little slow there in the middle. The third quarter. The yeah. third quarter was kind of yeah. slow. But uh, in, in the end, I, I thought it was a pretty interesting game. I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, there was uh, definitely everything changed when OBJ blew out his knee on the turf there. Yeah. That was, that was and bad. that was tough to see. It was. It was. And, you know, the end of the game was good. The penalties all that down the stretch was a little annoying because they played mostly no penalties throughout the whole game. Um, so to see, like, you know, that touchdown, I don't know, kind of lost a lot of its luster when there was three holding penalties. Um, yeah, but I then, mean, they had not called penalties the whole game. And then finally in that last, you know, stretch, there was two penalties on the same drive. Like, that's that's a little right, yeah. Right. And then, and then you know, I, I would have liked to see, personally, just because it would be more exciting, I would have preferred to see Burrow score and then maybe the Rams try to come down and try to score again. Opposed to they just ending, but eh, whatever. It was good. I mean, overall, it was good. It was good. Um, it was a low scoring game. Yeah, there was a lot of very, uh, very, yeah, very different from the modern football. You know, it it was cool that after OBJ went down, Jefferson had to step up, but then also win the Super Bowl and immediately run out so he can <laughs> yeah, be there yeah, for so the birth of his child. Ran yeah, ran off the field directly to the hospital. That was pretty wild. Good good halftime show. I I mean, you know, I yeah, enjoyed I loved it. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just uh, spectacular. Played right to our age range. So that's that's well, nice yeah. for us. For us, it was good. What's funny is I get the tail end of it because although I am I'm born in 95, I am a millennial. I'm the very late. I'm like November. You're a young 95. millennial. I'm the youngest of the millennial, but I grew up with you three. So That's right. So I'm, I'm much more of a millennial. You're more experienced. You're, you are. Yeah. You are, sure. The I'm stage like work it. was great. It was I, really cool. It was a really awesome the, set. Yeah, the breakdown to each one, then kind of like the idea of bringing it back to, like, uh, what is it? Compton. Like the, yeah, the Compton, and then like the bodega look yeah. from uh, Doggy Style for Snoop Dogg's first album. You know, really you know, nice you know. I thought it was funny though. The one side of <laughs> so the shot that they shot from the cameras, obviously you could see what was going on in all the rooms. But I kept saying like, if you were on the back side of the field, you just looked at the facade of buildings yeah. and you didn't see. Ha- you only saw what was going on on top. Now, fortunately, uh, Kendrick Lamar did start on that side. Uh, so like that, at least they got something to see, but like for a majority of the performance, those people were literally just staring at buildings and like, <laughs> I'm sure they saw what was going on on the big board, but like that kind of sucks for those, that side of the, you, yeah. you just got a bad side of the the stadium. There's nothing you can do about that. It, it may there's, suck, but they were still there at the Super Bowl, so it, it doesn't suck that much. I mean, it sucks that you had to spend that much money to be there. Yeah. It was expensive. It's always expensive though. My yeah. buddy actually today in class, one of my buddies was... He's actually not one of my buddies at all. He's just—I actually don't even know the kid. His his name's Drew. I, I just wow, don't even know him at all. Wow, you, he, yeah. uh, <laughs> you upgrade him to friend. Wow, good for him. <laughs> you know, I we, sport. He's a he's a sports law guy, and you know, it's a small knit group at uh, Seton Hall Law. So, but he was saying that he went out to the game because let's say his dad or something. But apparently, like last minute, all the uh, naturally all the ticket sales went way down last minute because yeah. nobody was buying them at the you know 
upwards yeah. of six thousand well, dollars for nosebleeds. A lot of those tickets end up being sponsor tickets and stuff like that, or giveaways yeah, or corporate all, yeah. tickets. So that that drives the price up, right? But you know, every every NFL team is allocated a certain amount. Of yeah. Tickets. It, right, so you hit your sponsors, and then you know yeah. it's it's a little tough for hard like for teams, average right? people to buy tickets. Yeah. yeah, but getting back into the halftime show, it was a, a good breakdown, good uh, segmentation of the people actually performing. I was surprised they did two songs by Mary J. Blige. I thought they would just do one, kind of based off like what they did with Kendrick. I would think they would have done the same with Mary J. Blige, and the same thing mm. with Fifty Cent too. Which Fifty it, was a surprise; it, wasn't announced. I, I know. But doing, doing upside like bat, down, like doing, a bat. doing upside down, and doing the music video for, and in, 50, in the club mini music video. And man, it looked like he was there for a while because his, his head kept getting bigger and bigger <laughs> until he flipped down. <laughs> Poor man was waiting for his cue. I actually saw uh, a video of how he got up there. Uh, do you want to know how he got up? There? I assume he no, did. I'm good. I assume he jumped up, grabbed it, rolled his feet around. Yeah, he was not up there for that long. He and was yeah. he was up there for like literally. 15 seconds before. I, w- I was wondering, because I looked, and I was like, I wonder if he's strapped in or if he actually held himself no, yeah, up he, there. No, yeah, he hopped up there. He got up himself. He, he did. He literally yeah. popped himself up there. I mean, yeah, he's not, pretty awesome. he's not, like, super lean like he was before, but still, I mean, he, he's jacked. He's, who is super lean the way they were when they were 21, you know what I mean? Matthew McConaughey. Big fact. All right, maybe not. But uh, he's, you know. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Vincent knows all about Batmaning. I have. I've Batman before. <laughs> but he was not Batmaning because he was bent. His knees were bent. You have to keep your legs straight when you're Batman, just in case you ever Remember wondered. when planking was a thing? What a great time that planking was. Planking was a great time. Simpler time. Simpler time. Back in those Simpler good old time. days. All right, let's get into some St. John's basketball. So, started off this past week with a disappointing 63-60 to loss home against UConn. Emotional damage! <laughs> it was at Madison Square Garden, and... You know, this is one that kind of slipped through our fingers. Montez Mathis led St. John's with 14 points. Julian Champagny continued his bounce back, 13 points, 11 rebounds. Aaron Wheeler also had 13 points. He continued his great stretch of games. For UConn, Tyrez Martin led all scorers with 17 points. He also had eight rebounds. RJ Cole also finished with 14 points, so... They were the leading scorers for the Huskies. In terms of rebounds, they lost a rebound battle, 52-41. to 41. A little bit of a surprise there because you thought maybe we could contend with them down low, uh, but unfortunately they, they pulled away and were able to win there. Turnover battle, though, right on point for us. 15 turnovers by UConn, 8 for us. Those are the numbers we like to see. You know, coming down the stretch, it, it was tight. It, it felt like we could pull this one off. And then it, it just kind of slipped away from us. We scored five points in the final 7.46 of the game. It's hard to win when you have so few points at the end of a game like that to close out. And that's why we didn't come away with the victory. Craig, what's your main takeaway from this game? I think I think your point is, is extremely important. I mean, at the 7.46 mark, we were up by seven. Steph Smith may hit three. We're a seven-point lead. Felt really strong there. You know, we were feeling good. The crowd was up. All of a sudden, you know, the UConn fans felt a little dejected. And then we didn't score. We scored five points the rest of the way, um, including a three right towards the at the very end. It was a good three by Aaron Wheeler there. Unfortunately, the last three, which would have tied the game, it, it didn't go in. It was kind of a tough tough shot there from him. Right. I mean, I just we, we had to – we can't score that much. And I think it plays into a, a bigger problem of, of – this season, like we've lost so many close games, and I think the the reason is we don't do the little things right, and the little things add up when you're playing tight games. 
Um, we, we turn the ball over in critical spots. We don't hit free throws. I mean, in this game alone, we were 7 for 14 on free throws. That's an, In a close game, that's a huge, that. that's a huge problem. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know. There, and it just seems at the critical junctures, we take bad shots. We, we, we miss, we, you know, we don't box out. We do, there's all kinds of things. Like I can, you can point to five different little that, things that, in the game. That, that Wusu layup where he had that wide open three, why not take the yeah. three? May possibly get a long rebound, possibly get a good bounce. Right. We got, we were great at offensive rebounding off of threes. Like we should also though, with like a minute to go, it was a, we were down, we were down by two with the ball. Wusu drives in, he gets blocked by Sonogo. Naturally. In that, if you look on that play, Wheeler no, not Wheeler. I think it was Coburn and Champagny were both wide open for three. Yeah, because once once Musu has the ball and he's driving, everybody on the court knows that he ain't passing it. Right. Right. Also, they know they, they all they got to do is get in position. They'll block him. Right. So I mean, let that's him, let him go by. But to that's the that's the thing. That's the thing that's problematic, right? It, it, we do the, we don't do the little things right, and those things add up, and that's why we lose close games. And we've I mean, lost a ton of close games. Seven. I mean, we've lost seven games by six points or less. That's right. that is. I mean, first of all, it's make or break for your Big East tournament. I mean, for your... Everything. It's, for everything, it's make yeah. or break for your NCAA tournament bid. You you flip half of those. You don't even have to flip them all. You flip half of those, think about where this team is. Instead of looking, you know, right now where our, our tournament hopes rely completely on winning out or winning the Big East tournament, instead of being 14 and 11, now you're 17 and 8. Yeah, and then you're, you're talking about... And, and you're talking about, okay, this is great. We're going to head in to, you know, we're heading down to the stretch. We can get, you know, we got Butler coming up. We got DePaul coming up again. We, you know, now knowing what we know now, we, we got Xavier who we beat. So, you know, this is a team with 17 wins and hope on the horizon to get to 20 before the Big East tournament. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, this team's on a roll. Unfortunately, we've lost all six, which yeah. puts us in the position we're in and now. I think, I, I just think that this team, it's very frustrating, this team, because... You can. They're close. They're all the best. They played all the best teams in the Big East, and they've been close to them at the end. But the problem is they don't do the little things, and then we lose them. And that doesn't matter. Then once you lose, you lose. I got to tell you, right? I am a Los Angeles Chargers fan, and I feel like I'm watching the Chargers for the past two seasons because we've done the same thing. Lost literally every single game within six or seven. It's one of the most heartbreaking things in the world. It's one thing when it's you more get, frustrating. It's it's one thing when you get blown out, right? At least with a blowout, you know from the beginning that. It's over, you know. It's it hurts even more when you're as close as you can be and consistently just lose. But I I want to turn a little bit to the three pointers. If, yeah, Nick, if give you us your takeaway. Uh, that that is my takeaway. Um, that we 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 didn't do well on three pointers. We never do well. But more in partic- in particularly, not more in particularly, but in particularly, Wheeler did not have a good game at the three point line. Although, don't get me wrong, Wheeler has been the star of St. John's. You can compare him to Julian the past, what, seven games, probably? And he's probably outshined him if you include the little bit where Julian wasn't doing great. Um, But Wheeler wasn't having it from the three. And to be fair, he he tried to shoot out of it. And I I don't mind that. Um, But I do want to pose a question to you guys. Last play of the game, Wheeler gets the ball. Wheeler gets a shot. Would you rather Wheeler or Champagny right now? Right now. I'm okay with either. The our uh, Julian Champagne. The answer is one. the answer is you have you to you have it. to give the ball to Julian Champagne. And our problem is the last two drives, the last two possessions of that UConn game, Julian Champagne touched the ball zero times. 
I think I Shane Penny's still your best player. I, I think you, if there's you, a, put, look, you put the ball in his hands. If, if it was a, if it was, an, if it worked around to an open shot to Wheeler, I would be fine with that. It's just that if you're gonna force the ball to somebody to then take a bad shot, that person should be Shane Penny. Yeah, that, that's my uh, take. I on would, it. I would say Julian should be one A, Wheeler should be one B. Have a play where they're both in motion. Now, obviously, there was no posh in this game. You should note there was no posh. That in is an important game. point. So, so, so that, that I agree with you, Tim. In that scenario, Julian's one. I, I think Wheeler's obviously the second option. However, in a normal scenario, I would put Posh ahead of Aaron Wheeler. Not for a three. Oh, no. No, not, not for, for a three. three. Not for a game winning. Not for a three, except I'm putting the ball in his hands first. Well, I, want, yes. I want him to be yes. a point guard. I, I mean, want him to lead with the ball uh, to correct. then find uh, that open Unfortunately, hand. at that last play, we had a conjunction with Smith and Wusu right. that created a problem when Sonogo was able to move up and create chaos. Uh, Wusu sure rolled out. Yeah. I mean, he, he shoots the percentage-wise, the three, pretty well. He he needed to step out and create and space. That, that's where we miss Posh the most in that yes. game. I mean, obviously, yeah. you always miss Posh, but missing him in that moment it, it you know points to you have Posh there. More likely than not, Aaron Wheeler gets a better shot. There just there also just wasn't a lot of movement on that last play. Everybody was. It was not a well drawn up play. Absolutely, I, if, I agree if I'm not that. mistaken, which I've been mistaken we many times in my life, out. and I will be mistaken so many more times. We did not have a timeout. That's correct. But there's was four guys, if I'm not mistaken, around the perimeter, and there was maybe one guy kind of in the middle. Which obviously you don't want everybody in the middle, but having four guys mm-hmm. on the perimeter when everybody in the world knows you're already going to shoot at three. I'm okay with that because you spread out their defense. The problem for me was that. Three of the four four guys outside were all in one area. Yeah, it got fair, but you need to create space though. You need somebody for like a, a pick or something. You need movement, otherwise. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of time. We didn't have a timeout. They were they should have been known their play, and they should have spread out more on the perimeter. But I, I think four guys on the perimeter there when you, you need had more than enough time. Twelve uh, seconds is enough. Is you had enough time. time. Uh, you had enough time, but again. Everybody converged on one area. That's terrible. That's right. bad. I'm agreeing with you. That's right, bad. Right. My point is just I'm okay with four guys on the perimeter. If you've got a guy in each corner and a guy on each wing, okay. Now you've got the you know now you've got area that you can spread out. You can dish the ball around. We we didn't have that. We had three guys, <laughs> three guys right on the top, and yeah. you know it created like Tim said congestion, and that that was a real problem. Tim, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is something that's connected to our last episode, and it was Sonogo being a no-go. We performed extremely well against him. Bad joke. I am dad, so. <laughs> I am dad. What a weenie hut junior. <laughs> but we got him in foul trouble. He had three. He luckily didn't commit any more at the end. But six rebounds, eight points. He did have two or three blocks, I think. Two blocks. Which, honestly, compared to the last game, that's great. Oh, no, yeah. We, we did a really good job on him. You have to be happy with that with that four, job we did. Yeah, 4 of 13 shooting. Yeah. No, he wasn't our problem. I mean, yeah. we, Sorry, luckily... Soriano, for his limited time playing in this game, he did really well against him. Uh, Julian was sometimes stuck on him and yeah. did great. I think he... I'm pretty sure Julian had a block against him. Uh, Coburn he, actually had a block. Coburn had a block against. Well, yeah, Coburn had, block. Coburn had the massive one, but I think Julian went straight up with well, it. We we did a really great job on Sonogo, and it, again, we put ourselves in a place where we could win. The problem yeah. is, like Craig said, we didn't do the small things down the stretch, uh, and it came back to bite us. It, you you know when you shoot fifty three percent from the free throw line, and you go seven of thirteen, it's hard to win games. We didn't close out. 
right? Yeah. We were right on the edge. We just didn't close out, and that's how we found ourselves losing this game. And you would have thought we have, could have won the rebound battle in this game, but Andre Jackson decided to yeah. be the best rebounding uh, wing in this whole game. <laughs> Despite being uh, a game where we controlled the big down low, it, we, we didn't win the rebound battle, and it resulted in a 63-60 to loss. Well, good bounce back on Wednesday as we took on Xavier in the Cintas Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. 86-73, to St. John's comes away with the victory. Wow, bad times in Cincinnati right now. Yeah, it's, it's been a rough week there. Super Bowl hangover much? Uh, you know, they watched the the, the uh, parade today of the Rams and then also had to watch Xavier lose to St. John's. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Julian Champagny led all scorers with 27 points. Also had five assists. Good game for him there. Great game. Jack Nunji led Xavier with 22 points. For St. John's, it was Wheeler with 11 and Mathis with 10 in terms of the starters who had double digits. And Coburn had a great game, 13 points. Three for three from three, which is what we brought him in for. He had a great game. Ten-point scorers for Xavier were Scruggs. He had 16 points. And Fremantle also had 10, along with four rebounds and four assists. They were the main factors for Xavier. We won the rebound battle, 34-29. to Always likely to win the game for us when that happens because it means we're doing things that we don't always do well. Unfortunately, the turnover battle, not what we like to see. 14-14, to an even split for us. Too many turnovers by us, a good amount for us. I mean, 14 turnovers by Xavier is right kind of in a range. We like that number to be a little higher, but, you know, uh, overall not terrible. 14 turnovers for us is a lot, and uh, you don't like to see that. What we did well in this game is free throws, 10 of 12. You're going to win games for us when we win free throws because typically those are points we miss out on. And my take on the preview for this game, it was very simple. It was very short, but it was the two things we won on, free throws and rebounds. Tim hitting all the buttons. We do have to talk about Julian Champagny. He, he's been coming back, having great games, great games, and, and he put it all together as he very well can. 27 points, 7 of 7 from the free throw line. Guy had five assists, three steals. He looked like Julian Champagny, and it, and it was yeah. good that he did because there were NBA scouts in the crowd. So, you know, good for him that he had such a great game after having some struggles recently to put it all together and do it in front of an NBA scout. I think, you know, obviously when Julian does well, we do well, and I think in this game he took over and we benefited from it greatly. I mean, he had 15 points in the first half. was great. He did have a little bit of a lull at the second, you know, going into the second half, but he finished really strong and he made his free throws, which were absolutely critical, um, critical for us. Nick, what's your main takeaway from this game? My main takeaway is Soriano. I actually haven't talked about the bigs in a, in since since the beginning weeks of the season, but let's not forget I I love my bigs. So Soriano had a, a fantastic game. He was four for six. I mean. Seven rebounds, four assists, four blocks. Four assists is is impressive for a big man. Very impressive. He, he yeah. was uh, he helps facilitate the offense. You know, go in and out right. a lot on the offensive side and on the defensive side. He was a presence. I mean, four blocks. Yeah, absolutely. He 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 had a, a good game. One and it, it's, one of them. It's, he did one the one block on the one kid when uh, I think it was Fremantle went up. He was yeah. just like. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Craig has too much fun with it. I have way too much fun with the guy, soundboard. Come on, pull it together. Um, it's the little things in life. It, it is. makes me happy. No, he, he had a great game, and it was good to see him do well. Tim, what's your main takeaway from this game? That would be the return of Posh Alexander and them also being down Nate Johnson. Yeah. We, we missed Posh in the UConn game like we just talked about. We also missed him in the Villanova game. Yeah, and, it was pretty much the exact opposite of what happened at Nova, <laughs> yeah. where they have everyone healthy, and we lose out. Right. This yeah. one, they missed out on Nate Johnson. We came back with Posh, and we were able to pull away the victory. And you really see how much of an impact he makes just across the across the board. I mean, I, absolutely. He, he just he really is a mo- the motor that makes this team go. Um, him, but, well, when, he, when him and Champlain play well, that's the team we all imagine. Right. right. I mean, I that's, mean that's, that's the team we're supposed to be. Right. I mean, when, when Julian's making shots, he's hitting threes, he's backing guys down. He's, you know, he's yeah. going to the free throw line. Also when they're then, both there, I mean, we've, we've, we've missed them in yeah. multiple games yeah, this year. Yeah, you know? for sure. yeah. yeah. I mean, he had four steals. He had that, uh, amazing charge. He took that Avery Johnson was yep. drooling all over. Yep. <laughs> and then you had him, unfortunately it was a incorrect call, which big surprise for our St. John's fan here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was on the on the fall away where he knocked. Yep, he pulled the chair out from under him. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice little old school move. You you want to back down hard, really hard on me? Fine, go ahead. And I moved and I touched the ball and they called the foul. Excuse me. They right. did. That was not great for Posh to see that happen. Yeah, and of course. Right after that, they called uh, hang on the rim by Mathis. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was really that was a bad series absolutely. right there for yeah. for the refs. Not very good. Craig, what's your main takeaway from this game? I think my biggest takeaway was. Uh, was Tariq Coburn. I mean, he had he had such a great game. He seemed to be in the right spot at all the right times. I mean, there was that one three-pointer that uh, Dylan Adaiwusu took. Uh, it was just an absolute air ball, but there was Tariq Coburn to pick it up. Nice, easy layup. No problem at all. Uh, you know, he looked good. He came off the bench. He gave us good minutes. Uh, he was three for three from three-point land, which is exactly what we want to see from him. Uh, but he had that one dunk. He got an and one. I mean, he just was all around the court today. Really, it was. I don't, it might have been his best game as a member of the Red Storm. I think because 100%. Well, best game besides besides the beginning. Uh, he had it seventeen points against St. Peter's. But yes, but I mean, this his was best a, game that actually mattered. This was a more impressive performance. I think. I, you know, he he was there. I mean, he was everywhere. He, he played really well. Look, I hope that continues. If we can have him give us a little lightning in a bottle every once in a while, that would be huge. Three for, for three from three. That's what we're looking for. I mean, he's he's a guy who's supposed to be a shooter for us. Yeah. So yeah. It, whenever it pays off like that, hey. He's coming off the bench too. Whenever he yeah. gets his opportunity, he hits them. You love to see that. Fifteen He's... minutes, thirteen points. I like that ratio. I mean, that's absolutely. absolutely. We'll take that What's any the plus day. Minus on that? The, oh, o- the week. The other thing, the other big point about this game is, you know, look, beating Xavier on the road in Cincinnati—that's a tough quad one win. Quad one win is, is a big, big win for us. I mean, it's a win we needed, right? It feels good. Um, you know, gives you a little hope, which is what St. John's does. Give you a little, a little hope, bit for of the, hope for the run. A little taste. Um, like... for, also, it's the. I'm, I'm dying of thirst, and then just St. John's just give me a little droplet of water just That's right. to keep me going. Keep you going. Right when you think you're out, they pull you right back in. <laughs> um, and then uh, it was the first time we won in the Sintas Center. Actually, this only the second time we ever won at the Sintas Center. The first time being uh, when D'Angelo Harrison and Don Pointer and that crew in 2015 and our very own Nicholas Coughlin was the manager. That was the last yep. time we won there. Sadly, I was only uh, I was a freshman, at that freshman time, so I wasn't traveling. But so you weren't there, there, but you were there in we spirit, physically in there. Spirit. But you're part of the team. You're part of the team. Hey, I'm St. John's family. You I pro- know you I are. I still get to Red Away Club for free. That's right. Yeah, true. You probably packed some bags. I I definitely packed a lot of Nate. bags. And sure you helped some laundry. You helped get that win, then Nick. I I definitely did. Hey, we'll give me you me and in particular Joey De La Rosa. I. 
told you I was a man of the bigs. I always worked with him and Amar. I got a, I got a nice. Uh, well, you didn't help us win the Sindos Center any other years, so. Oh, well, I. Tried. You don't get too much credit. I don't get to play the games. I can only help him prep <laughs> for the games. Joey Delarosa's free throw was one of the all-time funny things I've ever seen. Every yeah. single time, everybody always would have a, a, lane, a violation. lane violation. Every single time, but they never called <laughs> it because even the refs didn't know. It took him too long to get the ball to the rim. What's sad is, what's like, sad is, you should have like seen Charles his free Barkley throw swing. before that. I don't think I want to. I trust I, me. He it's bounced the ball say. instead. Actually, sure, sure, I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was awful. It was awful. But St. John's came away with the victory t- on Wednesday, 86-73. to 73. Big win in I the Cintas Center. I got I love when it's, we win. It's much better when we win, for sure. It's a better day. When the highs and are high. It, it, it puts us in a place heading into the end of the year where, you know, you never know what magic can happen. Drink before, the Kool-Aid. Before we get into our game of the weekend against Butler... We have now for you the second part of our Ron Movica interview from last week. We had a first part. Now we've got uh, the second part. Ron was nice enough to stay on with us and, and do a, a long interview, so we're going to get into that second part now. Uh, the first interview finished up. We were talking about uh, the win against Syracuse that they had in the 2015-16 season. So that's where we'll start off, and we'll head into the second interview now. All right. Hey, Ron. Good to have you on. So what what's your favorite memory from St. John's? That is easy. That's easy. It was a Sunday game, 12 o'clock. New York team against New York team. <laughs> Always nobody, good to beat Syracuse. Nobody in the world think we can beat them. Oh no. I'm like, I'm like you can tell Nick before every game, I'm like, we're gonna beat me and me along with sometimes it was borderline disrespectful. I was just talking about other things. <laughs> Get my guy gone. Nick gonna tell we ain't gonna we ain't gonna say I hear, you know what I'm saying? But hey, whatever I needed to say to fire my guys up, we get it in. So at that time, it I, I, it just felt right. It was just feeling good. We were so prepared for that game and that practice, like whatever. When, when Coach Mullen and, and, and Greg came up with the game plan, I'm like, if we do this, we do it like that. They ain't going to be able to mess with us. So when the game started, it was just everything felt right. When we started hitting them threes, boom, boom, I'm starting looking at them. They're kind of like second guessing, looking left and right. And Boham wasn't even on the sideline because I don't know if he got suspended or something. I forgot what it was. So it was assistant coach that was on the sideline, you know what I'm saying? So I'm saying, like, oh, yeah, that's even one more reason for them to catch that L, so it's going to be all on him. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm firing up my guys, and, you know, we came on top of it. That was that was a beautiful, that was a beautiful day. That was a beautiful day. Big 12-point win. You had 10 points in the game. I mean, I, I remember being there, and that it was, it was just – I mean, it's always great to beat Syracuse, but – like you said, like that team, like no one expected it. So just yeah, to be able to uh, upset them like that yeah. is just, just great. I was the glue guy, you know? Like I was a guy that Coach Mullen going to play me at the point. Then I'm at the three. Then I'm at the four. I'm at the two. Sometimes I'm at the five because my biggest strength was my IQ and the experience and knowing with my body. So like Coach Mullen used to like, against Syracuse, if you look, I start the game at the point. But then I'm at the four. I'm the one that's on the inside to crack that, like to press the ball at the high post. And when I get the ball at the high post, I just had to turn into Tom Brady because it was just dishing. Like once the ball was in there, we had those two defenders that's on the on the side, on the wing, they have to make a decision. Either they stay with me 
and then or they go. So if they go, I'm open. If they stay with me, I'm gonna find some people on their corners or Federico. So I was like a, a Swiss knife in Saint John. You know, some some nights I needed to score, and that's what I was gonna do. Some nights I needed to just try to stick, do a little bit of everything. So you know, it, so was, you it was it was it was a fun game. That game was a fun game. I remember I remember after that game. What are, what are we at that point? We have two, three losses. We're seven, seven, and, yeah, seven, seven and three. Seven, and, seven and three. We just beat Syracuse. We have like incarnate word NJIT. And then we were like, you know, we can like, we might be pretty good this year. We might be able to make the tournament. And then we started conference play and then we didn't win for two the something. Conference, the conference. But you know, it's a lot of games that I can't accept Georgetown. Georgetown was the only team back and forth where I was like, nah. <laughs> These guys, it's like, it don't matter what you do. They come on top. They were just too big, bigger, you yeah. know. And I played good. I remember. Remember, Nick, you was, we you, we played at the Garden at Georgetown. Remember at halftime? What? We played at Georgetown. We played at the Garden at Georgetown at halftime. I went there because we, we wasn't even playing. Uh, like, yeah. They were killing us. The guys was just, like, scared. I'm like, this is a rivalry. And you guys are scared. I'm cussing. I'm cussing players out in the locker room. Like, I'm cussing them out. Throwing chairs, I'm mad, and I tell him like, "Y'all don't want to play. I will go and fight by myself." I remember Coach Money at the end of the game. He was like, "I was proud of you." I, I ended up with twenty against Georgetown, but I was so angry because it was like there wasn't just there wasn't trying. Like nobody, you know, they smacked us twenty at the guard. We went to Washington, smacked us twenty over there. That was the only team that you know. But every everybody else was a dog fight all the way to the last minute. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a rough year, but you guys, you guys stuck around. And you fought through a lot of tough games, um, and you know it, it was it was you, you you always felt like you guys were right there, and a few oh, things yeah. went your way. You know, you'd come away with the win. We got so, robbed against you know, at the guard. We got robbed. They almost ended up with a brawl, but yeah, I remember like, that. Like Pee Wee, long way, long ways at the free throw line. Mind you, think about it, bro. We up one point. With like five seconds to go, we have the ball. We have the free throw line. How do you lose this game? Yeah, yeah. He shoots. He missed. Is it? Uh, Whitehead gets the rebound. We both go fight for. We yeah. fight for. I'm trying to snatch the ref call and foul. Send him to go shoot a free throw with two seconds left. I'm yeah, like, you can't how do can that. you call that foul? We fight for. Like, it's a fight for the ball. Don't no ref in the world will call that with three seconds to go. Yeah, he call that. Zay Whitehead go over there, knock down two free throws, boom, they're up one with two seconds to go. That's the uh, that's the, that happened, that's what happened this year against UConn. Same exact thing. They call the foul 1.6 seconds to go. You and we can't... lose the game like that. Like I wanted to, we wanted uh, I remember coach was like even slice at the time, slice had tears in his eyes. Slice almost <laughs> cried in the locker room. We wanted to fight. I wanted to fight. Like we wanted to. That's why at the end oh. we had a little rumble. Because I, I think, yeah. Long way out of long way says to, to the guy. Yeah. I thought going back and forth. So it went thing like I'm running. We almost had that because it was like that. You know, we deserved it. We was better yeah. than them that night. We was just better. Right, you know? right. So, the, the rest took it out of our hands. You're right. We had that because yeah. There's a lot of games like that where I was just like, hey man. So, it was it is what it is. So so did you prefer playing at the garden or playing at Carnesecca? Of course you're gonna say the garden. It's the Mecca. Like you can't. <laughs> Can't beat that. I don't care if the garden is empty. Madison Square Garden, you know what I'm saying? So the Carter Seca just failed. With Carter Seca rocking, man, when it's packed, it's just, 
you feel more close. It feel like more college wise, or you feel more close. Like you can look right. and see people's faces in the in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Me, I, I always had a interaction with the crowd just because how I am. You know, mm-hmm. so it was just a different vibe. You know, but the garden is hey, garden is like it's it's it's, it's, it's light camera action, baby. Just, you know, it's, it's funny. Everyone we asked that to says basically the same thing that like playing in the garden is amazing because it's the garden, but like Carnesecca has a much more home feel and, exactly. and, and the crowd gets on it a bit more. And exactly. I, I just I, from a fan point perspective, I, I think that's a bit more true because like, you know, it's tough to get out there to Queens. So like the diehards are out there, whereas the garden, it's kind of more convenient. So you get a little mix of the other team yeah. too and stuff. So, yeah. So the garden is more like, you know, every time you enter, you know that. That you know that legend played there, and and, and and you know you're the middle of the city, and it's just the whole thing. You know the whole process. You going through the tunnel, you know the bus is like you feel like an NBA player, really. At right. that time, you know you get on the elevator, you're like, yo, I'm doing the same thing that the Knicks is doing. Ain't no difference. They gotta take the same rent to go out there. You know what I'm saying? So it's just you like a kid every single time you know you get in that locker room we got the same Knicks we got the Knicks locker room ready that just put a carpet on the floor that says St. John's but I had Melo's locker so it's just like the whole experience every single time is just different but corner second is like yeah home you know what I'm saying like this mm-hmm. is like you know you might see a teacher in the stands like you might, you know what I'm saying like it's a different <laughs> different vibe so so what's uh, that's so What's uh what's what's something that while you you know Nick may know these stories too, but while you were at St. John's, I'm sure the you know you guys have gotten some, some things you didn't want to tell the coach about, you know, little little parties and stuff like that. What what's this what's a what's a cool like New York story you have from your time at St. John's? Look, we had Chris Mullen as a coach. These are NBA guys. They didn't get what we was doing. It was just like, <laughs> look, man, you know you got practice, you come to practice. That's it. Handle your business. Just be smart outside the court. That was it. It wasn't no, you know, college coaches rules and like coach yeah. didn't care about none of that, man. It was like, yo, don't get in trouble. Don't do nothing stupid. Y'all grown men. Y'all, y'all adults. Handle your business. That's it. Like even schools, it was just like get your grades. That was it. You gotta ask Nick. We can lose by fifty, lose by whatever. This guy at the end is gonna be like, hey. Y'all fought hard. It was good. You know what I'm saying? Come back home. Don't don't sit on there too much. Flush it out. Monday, we come back to work. We look. And that's it. Bring it in. That was it. Like, right. you want to see, you see Coach Mullins mad during the game if something goes south. But after mm. the game, yo, this man was just like, yo, it's the NBA mentality. You know what I'm saying? Right, just right, like, yeah. You got 82 games. I don't have, like, he's used to it. They've been there for 30 years. You don't really have time to, you know, so. Every yeah, every game does isn't you know yeah, the end of the world. So. We did, we did. Like, well, it was different. Like, them young guys was was young, so like, you could see the difference. When we go out, it was like, yo, the uncles are going there. I was going out. <laughs> I was enjoying New York City by night with my guy, Longway. My guy Pete, because we was we was old enough to go anywhere. Them other guys, like, mind you, I'm 23, 24. These guys are 18. Right, yeah, you know it's a different world. Eighteen, so they're doing the college parties and campus, and man, I did this, man. I'm in New York, baby. I'm going to the club. I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to. I want to see it all. We clubs, avenues, downtown Harlem. We was out. Me and Longway, Longway would tell you, but we was out. 
Especially so after going know. to one of the St. John's bars. You don't ever want to go back to one of those bars. You want to go out to the city as soon as you yeah, I went to a couple <laughs> bars that they had, you know, the St. John and the, and the guys love the players, but I'm like, man, I'm in the club, man. I'm trying to be in the club with Rihanna, where Rihanna is at. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> this is what I'm aiming. But we had one party at my house. It turned out to be on some, like, Project X. That was crazy. <laughs> they say, oh, they're going to do a low party, whoop-de-whoop, you know, and uh, I was like, All right. so I, I, I stopped there. I mean, it was at my house, so before we left, I'm seeing a bunch of people coming in. The vibe is looking okay. You know what I'm saying? We left. I think it was, I, I, don't, I forgot where we went, but it's like I'm like, I'm checking out my phone and I'm seeing videos. It's like a hundred and people more in the streets. I'm like, yo, it went crazy. Now we had we had some fun in St. John's, man. We definitely had some fun. So what what going back to Mon a bit, what was the best piece of advice he ever gave you? Be a specialist in what you do. If we talk with like the NBA, he was telling me, I remember he said, look here, man. He said, the guys who have the longest career in the NBA, they role players. He said, because if you're the best scorer in the same John, the best scorer of your team, you like really, you know what I'm saying? You know when to put numbers. Then you go to the NBA, you get drafted by, I don't know, the Lakers. You think you're going to score more than LeBron? It's just like either you that guy or you're not. But as role players, be the best. If you're a shooter, be the best shooter you can be. If you're a rebounder, be the best rebounder you can be. If you're a passer, be the best passer you can be. Be good at what you do specific. Because if you can do one thing great, specific, you're going to make a lot of money playing your position, playing your role. You know what I'm saying? So I remember him telling me that and, you know, and like just control what you can't control. Don't trip on what you cannot control. You know what I'm saying? Just do your part. Mainly me, I had a a different type of bond with him because I was older. So he was talking to me. He won't talk to me the same that he was talking to everybody else. So it was just like, make sure you control what you can control. Stay solid in what you what you do. Then the rest, they follow. If you start going left and right, then everybody else going to go left and right. So just keep your head on ice and just don't trip on what you cannot control. That's what that's the thing he used to tell me a lot. So, so do you think having such a big age gap on the team with you and Duran being leaders and being much older than guys like Federico, do you think that caused, maybe not tension, but caused some issues in terms of how you guys approach the game? No, nah, because the group, like, we liked each other. You know, when you lose, I've been on winning teams and losing teams. I've had undefeated seasons, and I have seasons where I lost it all. So I know how it feels to win everything and lose everything. When you lose a lot, you can the team can separate, and they're not together no more. It's like little clicks and people just trying to come in and get it over with, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. the situation I'm in right now. But with us, it got us closer because we was like, we're not going to, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I had, it was my duty to take care of them young boys. So it was just like, it's on us to make them understand that when they have questions, they can ask us because we got to go to war with them. At no point it felt like no no tension or no, no, no. Nah, it was always the same. They correct me if I'm wrong. Like, you know, no, practice, 100%. we're still having fun. We're still laughing. We're still cracking jokes. We're still roasting each other. We're still dancing. We're listening to music. Like, we turn up on the bus. We crack. We was cracking a lot of jokes, man. This team was funny, man. We was just laughing. Like, it was always a good vibe of work. Sometimes yeah. there's fights, argument back and forth. But you would never think, like, you walk in that gym, you see how we practice, how we talk, how we interact, how we move. You would never think this team just got done losing. 15 games in a row. Right. Yeah, that's you know, probably it like, like 
it was just like, yo, we was close, we're gonna get the next one. We was close, we're gonna get the next one. We was close, we're gonna get the next one. We went, it was always that. So so after St. John's, what what what's been the favorite your favorite country to play in since you've graduated? Good question. I was still stuck to Spain just because the Spanish have a real deep roots connection with basketball on that level. You know, we like Europe soccer was moving. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The world, people say Europe. It's not Europe, it's the whole world. It's just that America is they got their own thing going on with, you know what I'm saying, with with football, like the like the NFL and the NBA and all that. But as soon as you step out of that country, soccer is the number one sport. No matter what, you can't even not comparable. But the Spanish Spanish people really know basketball. You know what I'm saying? So when you you're dealing with fans and with people that know actually, you know, it's a culture thing. Basketball is really a culture thing. So I would say Spain, sure. So what's been your favorite professional memory? I would say play with my national country against Spain in Malaga. Representing my native country, we never played against such a big team ever, you know. And, and that year, they ended up going to win the World Cup. They actually beat America, and they were champions. They beat Team mm-hmm. USA. And um, <clears throat> we played in Malaga. It was like a, an exhibition tournament for the World Cup. And um, that was dope, man. Like, it was just like, like picture this. Imagine you going to play in America against Team USA. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So now That's I awesome. walked in, and I'm looking at Rudy Fernandez, Marcus Ricky Rubio, the Endemus brothers, the coach that's like the assistant coach from Pop. You're talking about legends. Like, it's all NBA and EuroLeague on that court. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, wow. You know, obviously we got smoke. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> um, but it was it was fun. It was good. And that actually was a good game. Uh, really a, a dope game. It was just like me, the better team, the more crazy team I have in front where people think that's where I played my best. So so who was the toughest player you ever played against? I think the best player we played when I was in St. John was Chris Dunn. Uh, Chris yeah. Dunn went to yeah. college. The NBA didn't really follow for whatever reason, but in college that boy was he was special. You could you... just do your best to try to slow him down, but you ain't stopping him. The guy was everywhere. He was a triple-double machine. Triple-double machine. Mm-hmm. Being a first Guard you, pick. full court. You play with him, the boot you taking that, he's gone. Like, he was really tough. Yeah, seen he a was... lot of guys that were tough, but him, him, college, when I think about it, you know, Ben Till went on and he was done, but Chris Dunn, was that was that was the one right there. Um, yeah. Even his first season with the Bulls, when they actually gave him playing time, his percentage for the field goal was a little low, but everything else he was just dishing, kicking. It was amazing. No, nah, he was he was he was really 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 good. So so, what do you think about Coach Anderson and and the staff now? Have you been back to St. John's? I haven't been since back went? since I left, to be honest really? with you. But I'm I'm looking forward, yeah, because you know a lot is like. Working, then I became a Even father. Money, then man. you know, I played the whole year. So when summer nights out of the ten, I go back to Paris, chill with my family and stuff like that, and then the business. But 
And then the COVID happened. I was supposed to go back actually to New York. I was supposed to go to Baltimore to go see uh, Teron. We planned mm-hmm. that trip in New York together, but then the COVID happened and then they started closing and everything. So it was a mess. But I would definitely, I'm looking forward to go back out there. And I think Coach Anderson is doing a wonderful job. Like I knew him from, not personally, but I knew who he was while he was coaching in Arkansas. And I always liked the style of playing now they were playing. So um, he's doing a good job, man. They're doing a great job. I watched them from far, you know. I'm not going to lie and say I watch every single game, but right. well, I watched them from far. Tough. Yeah, and I see, I see, you know, that 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 hole in the program where it's supposed to be, you know. Um, I won't be surprised if 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 we ended up winning the championship in the next couple of years because hey. you're building up, you're building up a foundation, and 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 and, and it's going up there. You know what I'm saying? Slowly but surely, every year we got hell of we got some great players every time. You know, this year also we got a great group of guys. So I like what he's doing, and from the outside looking in, they look like they're family. Like they look like they're really care about one another and when you look at coach Henderson how he is and how he interact with his players and I, you know you tell that's a guy that's like a great leader a great force that people will follow and, and, and would love to play for you know what I'm saying that's the feeling I get when I look at them and last time I did wax scene hall I was I was happy I was looking at this, I was like, man, this made me feel so good. They were having fun while they were doing it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. yeah. You you watch fun. you watch that game? Or sorry, no, what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? I don't wanna cut you off. No, no, no. I was watching, I watched some of it, I caught some of it, and then I watched some highlights and it just looked fun. It looked great. You know what I'm saying? Certain teams that I just hate. <laughs> the biggies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like when the same team you beat them, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all deserve that. Yeah, all the time, all day. Yeah, that's Syracuse for me. So see, when I was in uh, St. John's, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, we beat Syracuse, and then they didn't want to play us our senior year. So that was Never. like the, the greatest we find, feeling. Once we find that recipe to beat them, it was over. I remember, like yeah. before the game ended, I was talking shit with uh, I think it was Richardson or something. And he's looking at me and we playing. I'm like, bro, we could play this game 10 times. Y'all going to lose 10 times. He's looking at me like, I'm like, bro, I promise y'all ain't going to make it. We can come back tomorrow. Empty gym. Yeah. We're going to beat y'all again. And we you had see that. what happened the following year. Smacked them the following year after the same. They couldn't beat us after that. It was over with. Yeah, and we it had was that scout on them. Yeah, it was like New York team. I was like, yeah, New York team. Y'all not even. Y'all all the way over there at the top. Where's man Cole? You can say New York. We're New York Canada, City, baby. Man. You're basically yeah. Canada. You're, yeah, not, you're, you're basically in Canada. You can talk out here. <laughs> so we own New York. Like after that, we own New York. They're no better, man. They're no, they don't want no smoke no more. Had them running scared. Still haven't played us. They don't want no smoke. And I'm I'm glad and proud to say we started it. You did. You know That's yeah, right. Man, That's true. That, that 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 after that, I mean the guys that D'Angelo and them beat them too before. But it was just like after us, like we was the first one, and then after that they, right. they were done with it. The, the it, following years they were done with it, so it makes sense that they don't want to see us no more. Absolutely. Well, Ron, we appreciate you taking the time. We, we I love that you got the jersey. So. You're rocking the jersey today. That's great. I love it. It was only right. Good talking to you, Ron. All right, we want to thank Ron again for coming on. 
A great interview with him, able to do it in two parts, and glad he's doing well and he enjoyed his time at St. John's. So now let's get a sense of where we are at this point in the season. St. John's after the Xavier win, sitting at 14-11 and 11 on the season, not where we wanted to be, 6-8 and eight in conference, which puts us at 8th in the league. Now, in terms of tournament hopes, they're not bright. Here it is. Give me the cool. To be so. to be completely honest, they're not bright. But that doesn't mean they're out of the realm of possibility. I think there's two paths. Number one, win out the remainder of this schedule. There are left for St. John's. Counting this Friday matchup, there are five games in the regular season. There's home versus Butler, home versus Creighton, at DePaul, home versus Xavier, and at Marquette. You get two quad one opportunities in the home game against Xavier and the away game against Marquette. If you were to win out, you put yourself at 19 wins, 19 and 11, heading into the Big East tournament. Now, it's hard to figure out where we would shake out in terms of where, what seed we'd be, just because Seton Hall is directly above us. They're also 6-8. and eight. Xavier is only 7-7. Seven and seven. Now, if we were to win four games in a row, we're obviously going to move up the standings pretty high, but it's kind of hard to decipher where we'd be. Everyone's too close. At this Everyone's point. too close. So you, you can't necessarily guarantee we'd be in the top five, which get a bye on the first day, but it's possible. Uh, even if we didn't, I think if we win out and we win two games in the Big East tournament, we find ourselves heavy in the conversation and most likely in the NCAA tournament. Conversely, obviously, the only other path is to win the Big East tournament. If yeah. you don't win out, you have to win the Big East tournament to get in. Otherwise, we're, we're hoping to get an NIT bid. Yeah, I mean, look, you have to win out. I don't think there's any game that you can lose at this point. We've backed ourselves into a corner. Uh, the Xavier win ten, uh, on Wednesday um, allowed us to have a sliver of hope, which, you know, if there's a sliver of hope for it kept it alive, really did. we kind of, you know, extrapolate out from that. Um, but if you look at the schedule, to be completely honest, and, and these are games we can win. Uh, um, we could lose them, too. That's the nature of our team. But we certainly can win them. Um, these are teams that we've either, you know, we've beaten the only, with the exception of um, Creighton, which, which is not a team we've beaten. They, they, we struggled against them mightily. But that one at least is at home. So that's helpful. Um, but going through them, these are all games that we, you know, we can win. We beat Butler. Uh, we beat DePaul. And we beat, just beat Xavier. Marquette, we haven't played yet. So we don't know about that. But... At that point, you know, if we could get if we could win the next four, and Marquette's tough. So going Mar- at Marquette. Marquette's certainly going to be the toughest one. Uh, obviously, quad one opportunity. They were ranked teams. We do have no more ranked teams on our schedule, but again, two quad one opportunities. That at Marquette being the hardest of them, obviously, just because we beat Xavier. So in a way, you hope that at home you have the same result. Hard to beat a team twice. Though. Hard to beat a team twice, but it happens. We swept Georgetown. Uh, sure. And now, obviously, Georgetown and Xavier are very different teams, but Xavier's probably going to make the tournament, and Georgetown certainly isn't. Uh, but the at Marquette game is a tough one to end the year, but if we're ever able to pull that off after having won the four games before it, again, I think we've got a shot. I want to add one more thing to the Kool-Aid. Put some sugar in it, Nick. I'll put, I'll put all the sugar in it. So I actually wrote, I wrote a quick note after the Kansas game when I was very sad, but also very... Uh, Optimistic, apparently. Um, although we got beat by them, that was our last really bad loss. I mean, ex- other than Creighton. That was a fluke, right? We lost to a Kansas team, a, a good Kansas team. Uh, I don't know where they're ranked right now, but they're still in the top, top five. 
Dude. Yeah, top 10. Um, listen, we, we lose to them, right? That's an early season loss for us. It was in December. You know, we were still figuring our stuff out. Then we go on later, and we, in during most of our losses, we have either Julian out or Posh out. If we get to the scenario where we win out or we win most of our last games and then go on a, a more of a run in the Big East tournament, we could be in the bubble talk where they're saying, listen, at the beginning of the year, they may have lost by 20 to a top 10 team, but after that, they turned it around, and then every other time or almost every other time that they lost, it was without their one of their two best players. Yeah, no, certainly that becomes a factor, right? The pit loss. Oh, they didn't have their best player. We didn't have Julian Champagny. So that game, yeah, it's a bad loss, but it's a bad loss with an asterisk. So you're 100% right. Pittsburgh's better than we thought they were going to be. Oh, that's that's true, but I'm just saying, I was just picking a game where, you know, it was easy to point no, out. No, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, th- that does certainly become part of the conversation, and if that is, you know, I see a scenario where they, they could put us in. Now, again, that requires... Five games winning out in a row, starting with Friday's game against Butler, and a win or two in the Big East tournament. So we'll have to see how it goes. Heading down to the home. <laughs> heading down to taking the Kool Aid is always a trap, but heading down the end here, we've got a shot, and we'll have to see how it shakes out. Our road starts on Friday as we take on the Butler Bulldogs. Butler coming in thirteen and thirteen on the year, six and nine. In the Big East, this game Friday, 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, taking place at Carneseca Arena. Taking a look at the Bulldogs in this makeup game. This is a game earlier in the season that got canceled because of COVID. Obviously, 5 p.m. on a Friday, weird time, but they're making it work. And at least we'll get to watch it either in person or on TV, however you decide to watch. Coming into this game, Butler is on a two-game win streak, though. They defeated Marquette and DePaul. Uh, which, you know, Marquette is a good team. So it's interesting to see Butler having played well against them. We'll have to see if they've really got momentum or if we can stop it in their tracks. Chuck Harris leads the team with 10 points per game. He's their only double-digit scorer. This is not a team that scores a lot of points. Bo Hazes and Bryce Nez lead the team with six rebounds each. And, you know, this is a team that we played extraordinarily well against and got our first win at Hinkle Fieldhouse against. So you have to be positive after the Xavier win on Wednesday looking into this Butler game on Friday. Craig, what's your main point looking ahead to this game? I think I think you're right, Vincent. I think that Butler is a team, you know, they're towards the bottom tier of the Big East. We beat them the on, the, on, on the road. Um, I don't know about in the country. That's a bit aggressive. Uh, when, when we I get mean, to my 13 point, 13 and 13. I mean, okay. But um, still playing the Big East. I mean, playing in a conference doesn't make you good. Mm, make, what was that, in the country? Is Georgia a good basketball team right now? They're, they're better, abysmal. They're I they're w- worse than everybody in the Big East. They're, and they're a quote-unquote power five, even though there's a power six in basketball. Yeah, but I think Butler's better than them. Yeah, better I, I than do, them. too. But I, mean, I was but, just saying, I, I don't think... I was, gonna, I was foreshadowing my I, point. I just think it's hard to say that they're, they're the bottom team in the in the country, they play in probably the best conference in the country, and they're 500. Now, listen, they're not good, right? I mean, they're a 500 team overall, but, a, you know, a majority of their losses, because they've lost nine games in conference, have come against Big East schools, which are all really good teams. So, you know, I, 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 they're not a good team, but I, I think it's tough to say that they're one of the bottom teams in the country. The only good win they have this season is Oklahoma. I'm not saying they're a good team. I just think they're probably not in the bottom half. I Remember, I there's 250 the, I th- teams. I think there's a lot of teams in the country. 
There's 253 uh, teams or something like uh, that? Yeah, and statistically, they're in the bottom. They're, I, What's their net ranking? 116. Okay. 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 In, in points, they're 379th in the country. In rebounds, they're 372nd in the country. In assists per game, they're 383rd in the country. It, they average more points allowed than they do points for. Sure, but that's also has to do with. The I mean, to say they're even mediocre but, is but that's not the, true. But that, that's the competition. Yeah, by they definition, play, they're though. mediocre. They're thirteen and thirteen. During their non-conference, they played IUPUI, Central Arkansas, Troy, Fair, Michigan State, Houston, Texas A&M, Chaminade, Sagval State, which I've never heard of, Oklahoma, Fair, Eastern Illinois. I mean, and then Purdue. That's oh. a pr- for a, that's a pretty good non-conference lineup, but yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you said like it's much better, much better than our six, non-conference. To be completely teams. honest, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I, they played and they played like in the Big five. East. They're still one of not, they're not they're not a good team. They're not, I didn't say they're, they're not a good, a good team, team, but you're saying one team. of the worst teams in the country is a little bit of an overstatement. Is all I'm saying. All right, you're right. Maybe I'm looking at it as uh, at a Big East kind of lens. Are they one of the worst teams in the Big East? I would a thousand percent I, I, I do see what you're saying. I, I think you can make right, an argument. If you, if you drop them in even like the A-10, they would probably they be would, the best They could win far. the league. Although Davidson's pretty good. This maybe year. not win the league, but they yeah, would be a top four. They'd be a top five team. They would, in that they'd league. Be top they'd be a top five team. They would, they would be a top half team in the ACC. Oh, definitely. This year? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. hundred percent. So, anyway. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That was my point. Um, but my actual, my most important point for this game, which it is really for every game as we saw this week, or we saw last week, is Julian Champagne. Uh, as always, as Julian Champagne goes, as goes St. John's. So hopefully he, he, he dominated against them against Butler. Uh, he made a lot of free throws, got to the line, made some shots. Uh, if he does that again, we'll, we'll be in good shape, but we just need him to play well. That's my, that's my big takeaway for this game. Tim, what's your takeaway? It's not your takeaway, but it's your leading point Sorry, for this not game. Not my takeaway. Mixing up our segments, Craig. Come on. Uh, Read the format. My bad, guys. My bad. Well, for me, it's going to be covering Bo Hodges. He, Understandable. He hurts from three. He scored really well. And he's not a high scorer. He scores, on average, below double digits. But for something about versing St. John's, his... uh. His trigger finger got really happy, and he just started nailing threes. 22 points, 4 of 7 from the three-point line. Tim, you're 100% correct. We can't let him have that kind of performance again. Otherwise, we could find ourselves in a bad spot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's 6'5", so throw Mathis on switch off uh, Posh once in a while if he starts to handle the ball more. We got the stuff to do it, and we just got to make sure we focus and lock him down and don't just let, you know, the the three point hot hand just to transfer over to someone else by looking at him. Right, there's always one against us. There's always one, and it was Bo Hodges last time. We'll have to shut him down and hope that it doesn't get picked up by anybody else. Nick, besides hating on the Butler Bulldogs, <laughs> what else you got for us as your as your main lead in for this? As as your your look ahead to this game. So I quickly mentioned their stats, which I just want to reiterate because I said them a little quickly. Their points per game is uh, sixty four. And they're at 379th in the country. Their rebounding is 32 per game at 372nd. 11 assists a game, which is 383rd, tied for 383rd in the league. And they allow 65 points in the game, which means they lose by two on average. Going back on me hating them, by the way, all the games that they played against game. high major teams, yeah, other than Oklahoma, they got blown out by 17 plus each one. 
and most of them being over 20. Like, I didn't, I'm not Nine saying they're two. a good team. Right? That's not what I'm saying. But I can just just to point out some other statistics. Seven. In the net ranking, they are 116th, and in Ken Palm, they're 129th. Yeah, which put you, them in the to, top to half your guys' point, because they get a lot of opportunities against Big, big East that's teams. Not, that's not about that's Ken how, Palm. That's not how quad works. That's not how Ken Palm works. Ken Palm's about efficiency and stuff like that. Fair enough. Yeah, and they're I don't well, know. I don't know how they analyze. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. know. I don't, I don't know the calculations. Frankly, Ken Palm's way too much math for me. Ken Palm is is great. He's a phenomenal tool. But I that man has does more work than I could ever imagine doing. So, so my point shout be, out to Ken Palm. My point B is that he's just they're they're not a good Big East team. They're really not, frankly, a good team. Right? I mean, they're not, not gonna make a tournament. They're just not they're a not half bottom team in the country team. They're just not a bottom. Right? They're just not bottom half of the country team. That's my point. You want to say bottom half of the Power Six? I can buy that. Sure. Oh, they're definitely, they're definitely. No, that I agree right. with. But yeah. you, I'm just thinking you're. T- yeah, I guess you're talking. You're right. There's I just so many that. teams. You're talking they're, about their talent. Level they're not on the same level as like. Than, uh, they're on yeah. the same if, level if as you like took Missouri Valley. Missouri Valley. Conference. Conference. Oh, if, if you drop them, if you drop this exact Butler team in the Missouri Valley, they could win the league. Right. Oh yeah. Right. No, I mean, I see like that—that's really more my point. Well, to be fair, if you well, Missouri Valley is like a conference. We're going. But you know, Western Carolina, Southern like there's like you know Conference USA, they would win Conference USA. Yeah. yeah, that's my point. That's all my point is. Right now, Memphis they're good. anymore. We should beat them. Regardless of that, we should on Friday beat at 5 o'clock, we beat them we once. Beat them. We beat them once. We'll look to get a, We beat them last time. We'll look to get a win Friday, 5 p.m. at Carnesecca Arena on CBS Sports Network. It's Friday, Friday. All right, all right, Craig. One last time. You had I'd to do it. it. You I'd had to do it. Girl, Rebecca Black. All right, let's hope we can get win number 15. Heading out to end this week. That'll do it for this episode of Red Storm Chasers. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing.